0: This is Dr. Chad Savage, and you're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
1: Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the very unusual but very good program, as you tell us, the Dr. Sky Experience, exclusively here on Talk Radio 77, W.A.B.C., the crown jewel of radio, yes, the Dr. Sky Experience, here on this iconic radio station, talking regularly with you, not at you, on the great subjects of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather, and so much more. And today, ladies and gentlemen, the Dr. Sky experience takes us down to some of our medical concerns and medical needs. In just a few moments, we'll be introducing Dr. Chad Savage. He's the founder and director of Your Choice Direct Care. You can follow him at yourchoicedirectcare.com and learn so much more about our special guest. But a little bit about our special guest, Dr. Chad Savage founded Your Choice Direct Care to practice primary care. With a clear focus on the patient and their health, adopting the direct primary care model allows Dr. Savage to focus on his patient's needs without worrying about worrying about meaningless requirements that my insurance companies and Medicare. Dr. Savage has been in practice since 2003. He graduated from the University of Michigan prior to receiving his MD from the prestigious Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine in Cleveland, Ohio. It's a privilege and honor to welcome Dr. Chad Savage to the Dr. Sky Experience, talking about your options here. And, Doctor, let's hope, as you talk about it in an op-ed, well, Medicare may run out of its funding by 2028. Welcome to the Dr. Sky Experience. Doctor, thank you yep. for joining us. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Well, that's great. Tell us the main theme here, because so many people are barely, as we talk about in this inflationary time in this world, in the United States and around the world, Many people are just scraping by, but our medical choices for many are some serious choices that they have to make about so much of this about funding and and money and how do we pay for these things that happen to us in life. So let's start off a little bit more about what your whole program is. Let's talk about your choice, direct care. What does it mean? And then let's get into your op-ed and talk about some solutions, to what people need to know about uh, what's going on with Medicare and medical savings accounts.
0: So yeah sure. So it's actually interesting because I was an insurance-based doctor for a really long period of time and and many people recognized that there was something wrong in the system, but it took me a while to actually understand what was driving the disruption within healthcare. And finally around 2012, 2013, it started to dawn on me that it was actually how we funded the system that created so much of the rot within the system. And and I realized that over a gradual progression of many decades, the American healthcare system has moved away from being patient-centric and has instead moved to being more payer-centric, focusing on where the dollars are coming. And as those dollars came more and more from sources, other than the patient themselves, this distracted the providers, the hospitals, and the other caregivers away from their core mission, which should be the patient. So I was kind of desperate and started looking around to find out if there are other options that I was happy to see. This little tiny movement that started, and, and you could argue where it came from, it came from Seattle, it came from Florida, it came from Missouri, there were other places that, that were where these practices are springing up, that were trying to get away from being paid by insurance companies and going back to really right. the historic norm, which was actually working for the patient, and they were doing it in a unique and new way, which was a very inexpensive membership model. So uh, And, and uh, at first, I, I kind of watched, and I was really intrigued, and I actually thought, thought they were going to fail. Um, But to my surprise, they didn't fail. They started to thrive. So I I mustered the courage and and decided in 2015 to open my own version of that in the state of Michigan, and I was one of the first practices to do so. And I'm very happy to say since 2015, eight years out, um, my practice has largely been full, and and we take on new patients at the rate of attrition. Um, And and our cost of operating the practice went down by over 50% by getting rid of the complexity
1: of dealing with those insurance companies. Fantastic. So you have an experience from both sides of the equation here, and that's why it's great to talk with you. Just to let everybody know, you're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience here on Talk Radio 77, WABC, the iconic crown jewel of radio, broadcasting not only from New York, around the nation, around the world, but I'm sure even out into the cosmos. Our special guest today is Dr. Chad Savage. He's the founder of Your Choice Direct Care. You can learn so much more about his organization and what it stands for proudly at yourchoicedirectcare.com. Let's talk a little bit more, doctor, about this whole subject matter, because I want to get your take on this. Give me your take uh, on this whole subject of Obamacare, the pluses and the minuses of this, because so many people, as we're what now well into, what, almost 10 years or so of Obamacare? Mm -hmm. Give us the pluses and minuses of Obamacare. And in your opinion, has that really helped the average American, or not necessarily? What's your take on that?
0: Well, it was it is interesting because I didn't know what to take of, make of it when it first came out. I mean, you know, the, I don't think a lot of people knew what was in it, which is the you know Nancy Pelosi's famous statement of, you know, you have to pass it to find out what's in it. Yeah, um, right. And there was there was kind of a, a you know a sinking feeling I had in my gut that it wasn't going to turn out well. Uh, and people who are much more prescient than myself actually were looking uh, at the law, what was being proposed as much as they could, uh, could see, and they realized that it appeared to be designed to fail, which, is, which is, was a bizarre claim to make at that time. And it wasn't designed to fail immediately, it was designed to fail over a period of time. Well, why would you design a law to do this? Well, exactly. it would, it, the, the, there's a, a sense, of, the sense of gradualism in our society allows people to obscure the origination of the problem. We see that all throughout healthcare. But specific to that law, it was implemented in stages that were unpopular. And each of those unpopular stages was, were implemented far away from an election cycle, so that when people would become a little upset about it, not recognizing that the change was being made because of Obamacare, and by the next election cycle, had forgotten about it anyway, and moved on to the next shiny object that was capturing the Americans' attention. But when we step back and look at this, anybody who's old enough to remember Medical care is dramatically different today than it was in the 2000s. And I don't know how things are out in New York, uh, mm-hmm. but in in the state of Michigan, when I first started in practicing medicine, if I wanted the patient to see a specialist or to get a procedure done, it was 24 right. to 48 hours and I could have almost anything done. Um, then it started to get hard for patients to get things scheduled for themselves. Now it has gotten to the point where in the state of Michigan, it can take three, six months, nine months, or even more to get in with specialists, and there are no exceptions. Somebody could be bleeding, and they still say, nope, that's, there's no other option other than going to the ER. And though COVID certainly made that worse, this was gradually increasing over the 2010s um, because of all the interference and bureaucracy and and... Uh, and buggering up of them of the the mechanisms of healthcare that were implemented because of obamacare
1: interesting you know doctor i'm going to go a little bit beyond the stratosphere here with this particular question but you're the expert on this and our in our opinion here as our guest today on the doctor sky experience talk about canadian healthcare and what that model is versus what we see here in america and and i know that may come as a little shock to you but it's so interesting for people to know i know So many friends of ours here, I live in Arizona, and of course we're across the nation with WABC and other great radio stations and television, but we have so many people that claim that they go to Canada to get better medical care than they do in the United States, and also conversely, we see along the border so many people heading there for certain procedures that would literally be off the charts financially, but give us a quick comparison to the Canadian medical care system versus what you're talking about here in the state of affairs here in America today, if you don't mind.
0: Well, thankfully, I live up in Michigan, right on the border, so I have a unique vantage point of this. And I'd say I, I've actually never heard that claim that people were going to Canada for medical care. What we okay. absolutely see is the reverse: is Canadians we're the safety valve for the Canadian system. That when mm-hmm. the Canadians can't get testing, surgical procedures, whatever done for an extended period of time, that they'll right. come to the United. United States through what we call medical tourism and and pay cash for their their medical care. In fact, there's a surgical center in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Surgical Center run by Dr. Keith Smith, that has built a very lucrative business on medical care that either is too expensive within the United States, so they offer good cash-based rates to those patients, or who are unable to get from other countries like in Canada. So Canada is a single-party payer system, meaning the government controls all the health care. And, and one of the negatives of that is that it's the single-choice system. When, you, when there's only one payer, people say, well, if I don't like what they, they th- decide or I want to do something different than what the government says I can do, I can go and right. get it on my own. But for a while, that was actually outlawed within Canada. They've actually backed off of that prohibition because it was so unpopular. Um, uh, but, you know, so people don't really want a pure single-party payer, whether they re- re- realize it or not, because they've totally sub- um, subjugated themselves to the whims of who- whichever department or bureaucracy is going to be making those decisions. And so I think when people think about those systems, they they make them angelic within their own minds, thinking it's whatever I want in medical care, only free. But the reality is it's whatever
1: you're allowed to do. Interesting. Doctor, in the time we have with you today, and I appreciate your time greatly, it expands our minds. And like I said, I learn something always by the great guests like yourself here, and I appreciate your time greatly here on the Dr. Sky Experience as we're talking with all people around the world on the iconic crown jewel of radio, Talk Radio 77 WABC out of New York City and around the nation, around the world and I'm sure even out into the cosmos. I wanted to get your take on the concept of medical savings accounts. That'll lead into a next uh, you know, series of questions about your op-ed in the Washington Examiner. But talk a little bit of, for people who may not even understand the concept of medical savings accounts, simply referred to as what, MSAs? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, so a lot of people are now familiarized with the concept of FSAs and HSAs, which are accounts that working people can contribute to, with pre-tax dollars and they control it and they own it and they can use it to purchase their own medical services. What many people don't understand is that there is a program within Medicare itself that is somewhat analogous to this. And this is different than the concept of the single party pair we were just talking about with Canada, where regardless of the funding source, it's the person who controls those funds that is the is the power broker in the in the transaction. So in medical savings accounts, the Medicare funds that would have been spent on this individual, the Medicare recipient anyway, instead of going into private Medicare insurance policies, are put into an account that the patient not only controls, but actually owns. So it actually is part of their estate. And if they rationally manage it, they not only can use it for their own medical care, but it can go to their heirs if they rationally manage it all the way to to their death, they own it. So that instead of good consumerization until someone's demise, um, but they own these funds with money that was going to be spent on them anyway by Medicare. The only difference is who controls those funds. Do bureaucrats control it or does the patient themselves who knows what they want to get from the medical system? And exactly. You know, right. Yeah, because because we never ask, you know, we always say, you know, what what is medical care? Well, when somebody comes to us, we have set algorithms, what to do, what to treat patients with, all these all these things. But not only do, do the same patients, I mean, do different patients want the exact same thing. They may come in with their own unique desires and perspectives to healthcare, but we kind of treat them all as though they're a widget on the assembly line as all are, 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 are identical when, in fact, patients are unique and have different aspirations and desires from healthcare. Well, by controlling those funds... Those patients can actually get what they want from health care because they are, the, they are the power brokers, again, once again, in that system. So, you know, it, it's, um, there, there was an analogy to a Medicaid program that was in Indiana mm-hmm. called the Healthy Indiana Plan under Mitch Daniels when he was governor. And what they did is they put Medicaid funds into the hands of the recipients of Medicaid And to everyone's shock, they did a vastly better job managing those funds than did the bureaucrats. Medicaid actually saved money because those people knew how to spend money. There's this kind of insulting um, uh, 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 thought process regarding Medicaid recipients that they're, they're dumb, they don't know how to manage money, they're poor for a reason. But in fact, they did a far better job than the bureaucrats. in in managing those funds, and also the satisfaction was something like 97%. People loved that. They didn't have to seek permission if they wanted an MRI or if they wanted a referral. The only
1: permission they needed was their own. That's interesting, and i got to ask you a quick question before we move on to your op-ed. I hear so many advertisements on radio commercials for something about an organization, I guess it's a very religious organization, that they talk about how everybody shares their medical bills by joining this organization. And I'm not here to knock it. I'm just here mm-hmm. to understand the difference. If you could illustrate that to us, what is that? If I've explained it at least the best I can, you know I what you might know to health- about it. What's the difference? Yeah. And what is that all about? If you don't mind sharing yeah. that with the so others.
0: I think you're referring to health sharing ministries and I'm actually a member of one. I'm part of Samaritan ministries. And there are a bunch of them out there. And you mentioned Obamacare earlier, well, these existed, predated Obamacare, but there weren't that many of them out there. And it was, the concept was it built on a religious principle of sharing each other's needs, including each other's medical needs. And there right. was actually an exemption written into Obamacare that if people had one of these funds, if you recall at that time, there was a penalty for not having health insurance. But exactly. if you had a health-sharing ministry, it it was an exemption to that requirement because they considered it adequate coverage, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, so after that, many people finding them much more economically feasible, they're a lot less expensive, started migrating over to them. And and actually I wrote an op-ed in town hall several years ago about my own experience, my own family. When we switched to a health sharing ministry over the premium cost of insurance alone over a five year Mm -hmm. period, we saved $86,000 when combined with direct primary care, which is what I do. And wow. and if you extrapolate that over a decade, that's a house worth of savings, not deprivation of care with savings. Now, they're not right for everyone, and people need to look into them. And, and one of the downsides of this rapid expansion of health sharing is some charlatans have popped up. So people do have to be rational consumers. If they're interested in an alternative to traditional insurance, because it's not insurance, it's something different... Right. Um, you know, they need to do their research. they need to do their due diligence, and there is now a certification organization to make sure as best as possible that you're not getting a charlatan organization. But for those interested, that those are very good options or alternatives for the people for whom they're appropriate.
1: Well said, and that's why we have great guests like yourself to explain these different options out there that people may not know because no fault of their own. They're busy lives, they're trying to maintain their head above water financially. And they're trying to do the very best they can and save money and still be healthy as each and every person should be. Let's talk a little bit more about your op-ed in the Washington Examiner. Here we go. I'm going to do a little brief repeat and just a little read from this, if you don't mind me, sir. And I quote, in his recent state of the union address, president Joe Biden and congressional Republicans had an entertaining back and forth about the president's claim. The Republicans wanted to quote sunset Medicare, the raucous exchange ended with both parties applauding the apparent agreement to not touch the popular program. Talk about the uh, details uh, in this particular op-ed in the Washington Examiner. And of course, one of the questions that I'm going to have here is you've stated here, not that you have to agree with this, and certainly many people have debated about it, Medicare may run out of funding by 2028. So what's the main skinny about this particular op-ed in the Washington Examiner? Yeah, so we're stuck with the financial
0: reality that this, this program is running out of money. So what do we do? We either have to increase funding, which would mean increased taxes, which I'm not a big fan of, or we'd Mm -hmm. have to somehow ration care or put in price controls, which always distort economic systems when you do that. Well, my thought is, you know, medical care is one of the most mispriced systems in our entire economy, or one of the most mispriced uh, um, uh, uh, industries. And the reason why is because we essentially have no normal free market. Um, guardrails within that system. One of the beauties of free markets is with free exchange, voluntary exchange, it, if something gets too ex- extravagantly priced, you're not going to do it. And that, that works as a guardrail against that extravagance that an industry can impose. So unfortunately, our current system has gotten totally out of whack because the prices are obscured. People usually have no idea what they're paying for medical services. It's buried within premiums, within tax subsidies within uh, deferred wages, et cetera, um, and they feel like they have very little control over it. So the thought is put free market back into healthcare as much as possible and, and do that with both transparency and agency. Transparency meaning know what prices are and agency meaning you have the power to do something about those prices. Well, again, that goes back to my prior contentions. How do you do that? Sure. Put the money in the hands of the patients. So that actually exists right now. This is not something new that needs to be passed. This is already um, codified within in the law. There are actually, there's a program called medical savings accounts. Again, these are accounts owned by patients, funded by Medicare, that they can fund additionally themselves and combined with a, essentially a catastrophic Medicare program. So if, if you blew through the money that they put into this account and you're on dialysis or something, you know, you're, you're not going to be out on the street despondent. They, they have a, 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 you know, a safety valve, a a catastrophic type insurance that will cover for that scenario. Um, But what it would do is would make about 90% of medical care has been um, estimated is consumerizable, meaning people can shop for it. You always hear the denigration of Mm -hmm. the concept of, of consumerizing healthcare to say, well, what if you're bleeding to death? You're not going to price shop which ER to go to, and that's true. Sure. Um, of course, if if the ER keeps ripping off people who are bleeding to death, eventually people will start avoiding that ER, and they'll go out of business. So you don't see, you know, for example, tow truck companies can't charge you $50,000 because they'll be able to charge somebody $50,000 once, and then no one will ever use them again. Exactly. And if ERs do the same thing to someone bleeding, no one else even bleeding will return to that ER. Um, but if 90% of healthcare care is consumerizable, that will dramatically improve quality, decrease costs, because that's what a consumerized patient will demand, and that will actually improve the viability and sustainability of the Medicare program.
1: No, you explained it so well, sir, and I'm reading into this very much, and I'd like everybody to follow up with you. And of course, the website that we're being given here, and we're very proud to announce it here on the Dr. Sky Experience, your choice, com. Our special guest for this particular edition of the Dr. Sky Experience is Dr. Chad Savage. He, of course, is probably there to answer any of your questions that you have. If people want to get in touch with you, I'm sure that's the website to go ahead and learn so much more. But that's an amazing statement here, or fact, I gather, from not only from your particular op-ed, but reading about this, Medicare accounts for what, sir, 21%. Of healthcare spending. And what you're saying, if I'm listening clearly, and I'm sure I'm trying and certainly experiencing this myself, is that by putting yourself into the MSA, you don't need permission from Medicare on how you spend that money. And that's a very important tool, sir. And I really appreciate what you're trying to tell us today. In closing, if you can, just give us a summation of points because I do appreciate your time as we can fill you know continue to fill this episode of the doctor sky experience almost to its finality your summary of points uh, in this interview what's the key point that you want to get across to every listener here
0: certainly i would encourage them to contact their senators and representatives to encourage them to to make msa programs more available to people it exists in the statute they are out there right now but they are not widely available i believe if people start to use this they will they will actually correct Healthcare in general
1: and make programs like Medicare more sustainable. Very well said. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Dr. Sky Experience. That's Dr. Chad Savage mentioning again and proud to do it. You can contact him at yourchoicedirectcare.com. And, sir, if you have another website or anything else you'd like to pass on, now would be the time to do it as we conclude this interview.
0: Sir, the Docs for Patient Care Foundation is an organization that supports free market principles within healthcare. And they can certainly use the support of your listeners.
1: I want to thank you, Dr. Chad Savage, for being our special guest here on the Dr. Sky Experience on the iconic Talk Radio 77 WABC out of New York City, around the nation, around the world, and I'm sure out into the cosmos. With our other interviews, Dr. Sky reminds each and everybody to always remember to keep their eyes to the skies. As I'm your navigator on that highway to the heavens, I want to thank our producer, Richard Dugan, Dr. D for making all this come together. We do appreciate your time, doctor. If you'd stay on the line as we go to the hard break here at the bottom of the hour, thank you so much for being part of the Dr. Sky Experience.